0: You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCR LP,
1: Santa Cruz. Hi, I'm Joe DePrisco, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony
0: show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Joseph DePrisco. His new book is called The Last Resume New and Collected Poems.
1: Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Tony. It's great to great to be here with you again, man. Isn't it great? I I, I love I love repeat customers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pay my bill last time. Maybe that's why. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, yeah. You're you got the you got the all access pass. So you, you got the lifetime all access pass. It's kind of like it's almost as good as like getting an all access pass to Cinemax in the 1990s when they would show the uh softcore porn stuff after midnight
1: i remember and the cable opera guys would fix your tv and it's hey you want cinemax yeah yeah give yeah. Tw- give me 20 bucks okay mm-hmm. yeah, here's 20 bucks yeah,
0: yeah. and then you're like wow there's a lot of nudity
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now the nudity's just all over the place but it was so special back then
1: you know tv is funny huh it's really changed a lot i i think i like it uh Although yeah. I like the old time stuff too, I like the Abbott and Costello show. Oh yeah, like, uh, you know all the old time, you know the Dick Van Dyke show. I mean, there are some great, great TV shows, um, and the old time movies. My favorite. I was just thinking about this. I was talking about this the other day. You, do you remember the movie, the Howard Hawks movie, The Thing? Yes, that is the greatest movie. When I when I've got the flu and I can't get out of bed, I, I put that movie on. It's a snappy patter it takes place in you know in the Arctic and and it's uh you know the monsters coming and and it's so 50s oh it's just I just love that movie so much it's so great then so you have your
0: flu movie because I found out what my flu movie was in May because I got the like it's pretty sick yeah, <laughs> it was yeah like and I could barely move from bed and I was just like oh and I and I was and I couldn't sleep at night and so my movie with Serpico. There you go. That's a great movie. Yeah, it was it is great. And it's just like I watched it like three times in a few days because I would fall asleep to it. And it was just something about the movie and the soundtrack like let me fall asleep and relax.
1: What a great story. I mean that that shooting took play with Serpico took place about a mile away from where I grew up in Greenpoint. So it was uh those are the old days. That was before um uh, uh uh, you know the police. Uh, it was called the Police Review Commission or something like that before uh, all the dirty cops got uh, exposed. The right. Serpico knew knew about that, but that was that was big. Yeah. Uh, and my dad used to work with all the dirty cops in Brooklyn, so what, he was a what bookmaker. did your dad? Do? He was a, oh, He was okay. a small time mobster. And yeah. I wrote a couple of memoirs that involves him a little bit, a lot actually, and so I've, there's some great. The, the trials, transcripts that you can read, New York State Supreme Court trial transcripts of my man is the star witness. And he was, uh, it's hilarious, stuff, just like himself. you know. That he, he could never tell the, he wouldn't tell the truth if it could save his life. He, he, was, he had no capacity. Isn't for that. Your dad? He, oh, yeah, he was like, always had a finesse of an answer. He was a great, I mean, he was a very colorful character, so yeah, totally uneducated, but street smart. They called him, the street name was Popey. So I said, Dad, uh, how'd, you, how'd you get, I was 10 years old, how'd you get that name? Uh, he wouldn't tell me. My, huh. my mother said, well, and I can't actually quote my mother because every other word was the F word, but... uh <laughs> When your mom your mom is a more potty mouth than you do. <laughs> oh my god, she was gorgeous and dangerous and a tremendous liar. Yeah, yeah, one time your dad they caught him coming out of a church. So he got the name of Popey. Okay, that didn't oh. make any sense to me. Then she said huh. uh Well, oh, that made sense him. to me. I would I would I would go with that. So okay, go ahead. Well, I never saw him in a church. I never saw, and I went to church all the time. You know, you and I have some Commonalities when it comes to church experience, but so I, I never saw him in a church. I don't remember him being in a church. But the other thing my mother said is uh, they call him Popey because he never shuts the up. That was so. This is the you know, music to an eight-year-old's ears. Okay, I love this language. This is fantastic. Like, I live in Brooklyn before yeah. Brooklyn became Brooklyn, right? Before Bro- Greenpoint, where I grew up, is now Greenpoint. It's where the movie stars live and when I was there it was like abandoned factories polish butchers and bakeries and funeral parlors and the italian mob that was that was greenpoint yeah on the waterfront on the waterfront so, so
0: beautiful it's so beautiful right there cuz i was i was on a um uh loca- location for when i was um shadowing a director on madam secretary and we were right we were shooting in greenpoint on the waterfront in the evening to the night and just to like watch look like get a walk off set and look at the silhouette of new york city is just so gorgeous right there
1: yeah there's a great line in on the waterfront where somebody betrays somebody as i recall and guys the the guy's fixer says well we're gonna send him back to Greenpoint." that was it (laughs) (laughs) like
0: that was a bad thing
1: that was a bad thing (laughs) yeah
0: now, and now, and now, yeah. Now you stumble. Uh, uh, I, I don't even know what the hipsters are these days. It used to be writers. I don't even, uh, you know, who are the hip people? What do they do? They code? Do they TikTok?
1: Huh. Well, I'm glad you came to me with that question because you know <laughs> I do have my finger on the pulse of uh, popular culture. Yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, all that cyber money stuff. All that isn't right. that it. Yeah, I get. Oh, bankman freed and all that. That's right. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that kind of money stuff.
0: I, you know, I've well during COVID, I got into uh, learning about cryptocurrency, and um, I actually did make some money, and,
1: wow. and
0: moved and moved it around a little bit. But but I I was using money that I wouldn't, you know. I was like, oh, let's let's put some let's put some skin in the game so I can understand it, and it also helped me learn about economy. And just in general, like it kind of shifted my brain set on how um, economy works, and even and then I started reading books about how the U.S. dollar became the U.S. dollar, and there used to be like three different currencies in the United States, and all it's and it's in like actual the U.S. the U.S. currency is kind of really new. It may, you know hmm. it's not it's not that old maybe 150 years old or something and before there was other yeah it's a trip and, and awesome. then back then they're just like we're going to exchange paper for goods that's weird who would do that yeah oh. <laughs> you know
1: yeah so huh. so so you're telling me you got all your money under your mattress now is that it
0: yeah no i i, I got calm them up my uh ass and uh it's made of my role <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. Oh, I why that just came into my head just disturbs me, but I have therapy on Friday, so I'll talk to her about that.
1: Oh, huh. That's good. Well, when we do group therapy, we can talk about it together, we'll learn about it. Can I bring you in on my therapy <laughs> sessions? <this week? laughs> well, I I think I I think therapy is great. I think it's yeah. fantastic.
0: Hey, I mean, I, I need it. It works for me cuz I'm, you know, I'm I, I I got issues, so it, it brings the issues down. Makes them it doesn't show,
1: them. Tony. That's all I can say.
0: It doesn't <laughs> no. show any. Yeah. I need to get the "I Got Issues" T-shirt. Huh.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably available. Why not? I like that.
0: Yeah, I got issues.
1: Yeah. So what's been keeping you busy lately? Thought so you have a new book.
0: Yeah, uh, my book's sitting on uh, the agent's desk, and she can tell me, Tony, get out of here. I don't ever want to hear from you again. Or Tony, this might need to rewrite. Or Tony, this is great. We're going to submit. You know how it goes. The The whole um... – but it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today, and it's just – this is so different because – I'm not worried about that book at all. Cause I'm working on a new one. And I've been the, the new one has kind of been my mistress when I was putting the other book aside after each rewrite, yeah, you know, set it aside and then let me go with my sexy mistress and have fun with this. You were cheat, You were cheating on yourself. Yeah. It's, it's funny. And then what happened, um, <laughs> I was, I've been working with this woman on her screenplay and, um, she goes, Hey, by the way, I would love to. I've never like, <clears throat> I think she saw my phone and stuff, but she's like, I never read your um like a not like a current novel by you. Can I read the first 20 pages? I was like, Yeah, I sent it to her and I hadn't seen it in a month. And this is like two years I was with it every day, and then I hadn't seen it in a month. And so I was like, the I sent her the pages. I'm like, well, let me read these. And I was like, this isn't bad. And I was so dis- I was so disconnected from it because it's such a it almost feels like it's two years ago when it's only a month because I was spending so much time with it and now I'm on these new characters that have nothing to do with those characters so I have it's like I have a whole new family. There's 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 something almost psychotic about it.
1: Yeah, I was I read something by uh, that was written about Joyce Carol Oates with whom we do a lot of business with the New Literary Project. And she's talking about, she's written 100 books, yeah. 50, 100 novels, 50 books of short stories. And she's a wonderful citizen, great colleague. She's a terrific teacher. She and I taught a course together on memoir writing. She's a genius. Anyway, so she is quite complicated psychologically, as you might imagine. Yeah. And and for, I, I, I took away from this conversation she had about when, when she finishes writing a novel, she just feels devastated like she doesn't doesn't know she was so caught up in that world and then it's gone and of course now she describes writing a novel as uh how did she describe it one time writing a novel is like pushing a pea across a dirty floor with your nose that's that's the process of writing for her so, oh, that's a, that's quite an image but okay um, I, I like
0: that a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, anyway, so getting so there's a kind of post coital or something uh, feeling about when you finish a novel and you sort of don't you're not the same person you were when you wrote that novel cuz you were a, you're not you're not the author, you're the narrator. So you're a whole different you were a character. Yeah. You're not even yourself.
0: And that's why and that's what kind of really blew my mind too cuz it's just like um yeah, it did kind of hurt a little bit because I was waking up not not talking with Sebastian anymore. Sebastian's gone.
1: You know, it's he's been calling me a lot as well that you know he's. Got oh yeah, business. and and
0: it, and I and I I I'm glad he's seeking out other relationships. <laughs> Hopefully, well, I'm, you... his ther-
1: I'm his therapist. I don't know if I told you that.
0: <laughs> oh my god! If our characters could uh, go to therapy. <laughs> Do you know what my author is doing to me?
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because what's therapy? It's often, if not always, it's about dysfunctional families, right? Yeah. Dysfunctional personalities. And I mean, there's a completely weird and vague and gaseous word, dysfunctional. I don't know what isn't dysfunctional. But I know in my fiction, it's, you know, I, I write a lot about the mob and I write a lot about the church. Two dysfunctional families. Yeah, and I put him in the same novel, and you have like the war of the dysfunctional families. You know who's who's going to screw this up worse, right? Anyway, so yeah, I, you know, this life we have chosen, as he says in the, this is the life we have chosen, says uh, who says it? the Meyer Lansky figure, the Godfather, before he sends somebody off to go kill somebody. Oh, right, right. This is the life we have chosen.
0: Yeah, except they don't I put us have... in prison for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they Yet. do. They put us Yet. in the prison of ourselves. <laughs> Our souls are in prison. So I have a question for you too. So, you're as as a writer. Did you did you begin? Okay, let me step back. Here's my the survey of, I've conducted in my head about writers I know and read about. Yeah. Is that almost all of them began as poets? Almost all of them. Yes. and 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 very few keep writing poems poems when they're you know my very advanced years i don't know if i want to take credit for that enough so i'm asking you so when you were beginning to write were you trying to impress a girl were you trying to impress your teacher god what? What were you trying yeah. to yeah well well
0: i didn't start really writing mm-hmm. until i was in my 20s and i grew up in the dysfunctional jehovah's witnesses which they didn't they did not encourage writing or anything outside of you know proselytizing so when i i did write poetry like poetry is the first thing i wrote for a few years and but i couldn't show anybody because I, that just was extracurricular activity so it's nothing i would show or even tell anyone that i was doing and then a little later I got a little like ballsy and started submitting to magazines here and there, you know, like underground uh, magazines that I would never even remember what the names were and even gotten a couple. And it was, I was so excited. And I would have the, yeah, they're more like zines, you know, they were. <laughs> and so it was just such a cute little community, but yeah, I started a, I started with poetry and then from there, um, Short stories, and then after that, it's been novel script, novel script, novel script. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the cliches about writing poetry and writing short stories is that a poem is closer to a, sh- a short story is closer to a poem than it is to a novel. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Sorry about this cough. Stop doing that.
0: <laughs> <coughs> and then now, I mean, it's it's interesting because now we have. Um, your book, which is it's a, it's like a lifetime of poetry, is how it was described.
1: Well, I don't know, 50 years. <clears throat> I wrote poems in my 20s, and then I got derailed for a few decades, and I started writing poems again in uh, around 1999. And so I've published four books, this is my fourth book, and it's you know it's funny when you're talking about your your former selves when you're writing. When I look at the poems that I wrote when I was in my twenties, some of them I, you know, I guess some of them are okay. I think I feel close to them. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is who wrote that those poems. He's <laughs> very different, and yeah. I wonder if he would recognize me. Uh, but you know when you look over the span of to use a pretentious word, a career, you know, things change. You know, your values change. Your experiences have molded you in different ways. You've learned stuff. You've screwed up a lot. You've made a lot of mistakes. And I think this, this has aesthetic consequences. It has psychological and emotional consequences. And I think this registers in poems in a way that it doesn't register necessarily in, in other kinds of genres like novel. I mean, mean, the novel, writing a novel to me is like, this is a very bad analogy, but it's like opening up a business. You know, you got stuff, you got (laughs) marketing and and widget production, you got to move things around. Yeah. Whereas poetry is uh, more like shoplifting.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Stolen moments. Yeah. Yeah. getting away with stuff. Yeah. Taking risks. Isn't it, you know, a novel has all kinds of obligations to flesh out character. Yeah. To it, 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 I'm not I'm not saying novels are beautiful. I love right uh, novels are harder for me and I've written six of them now, published six of them now. And it's it's a whole different psychological and emotional and, and aesthetic enterprise uh, and some novel I, I love lots of novels but a poem is something doing something different it doesn't have a plot to convey uh if it has a character it's probably the character of the speaker of the poem yeah and so you're kind of free there's a kind of reverie in poetry that isn't available in a in fiction necessarily
0: yeah and it's also just a lovely thing to um to sit down with a poem and over a cup of coffee which we haven't gotten your book yet in the mail you haven't gotten it in the mail yet either but it's going to be out
1: the minute today, it's there. today is oh the it's pub out date. today okay okay today is the pub date it's supposed to be on my at my front door any minute but it's 340 pages and and there it is. That's the that's the story.
0: How you know how lucky are we though? Like you know, and you that it's it's like we, we we've we fell in love with words and here's here's a, a volume of all your poetry brought together that it it just you know people it, it trips me out when people are like, Oh yeah, I can't wait till I retire because I'm gonna start writing or i'm going to i i have a great idea for this and i'm like oh that's cool you should write it yeah no i'm i'm just i'm trying to get inspired and i'm like you don't get inspired you sit you sit down and you write every day and you don't wait till yeah. retirement you just have to write every day and develop the relationship with the page and once you develop that then all of a sudden it starts to become a little publishable or, or then you and we start to it's just like that it's that that's esoteric Of creating, creating something out of nothing, but it kind of takes a while to create a whole lot of nothing, and then we go, "Oh wait, scrap all of that," and then all of a sudden, it's a something,
1: and then I I think you hit on the key thing that it's about language, and it's about words that draw you in, and playing with words leads to see the poem. I think the poem is. Not a report about an experience. It's an experience in and of itself when you read it. That's why you that's why we reread poems. That's why poems can have such a big effect on our lives. You feel like, well, you read a poem, like, wow, I see the whole I see the world in a whole different way. Uh, and, and people who love poetry. And I think secretly, I know people say, Oh, I don't like poetry, or yeah, okay. <clears throat> I just sort of don't believe them. They just read bad poems, yeah. and if people read a poem in a magazine or some big national publication, that's eh, couldn't understand the poem. That's the poem's fault. That's not the reader's fault. Yeah. So I think I think that there's poetry is not going away. People are reading poetry. They're ri- probably writing more poetry than they're buying, but that's an economics question. Speaking of economics, how you explain that? How come all these poets aren't buying poets books all the time? Why not?
0: Well, and also why it's just, why isn't, I mean, poems and words can change our lives and move us in different directions. And yet it's not, it's not very well compensated for 99% of writers. There's, yeah. It's like it's like it's not even not even not well compensated. It's poverty, and, and you got to do other stuff. <laughs> you know?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, writers in America, you know, almost universally live below the poverty line. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, know, you hear about books with huge advances. Yeah, fine. That's a few people, and <clears throat> that's not the reality for people. So people do it for the love of, of the work, and and. I mean, a whole tricky question here is who you're writing for. And I never know how to answer that question. You know, I have, I haven't, I, you know, do poems have ideas? I don't know. Do they have ideas? I don't know. Do they have music? I think they're more likely to have a sound. I mean, Hmm. I can get enchanted by a phrase or an image or the, or the music of, of a line. And that just sort of becomes a different kind of that becomes a a different kind of artifact, and it becomes an As I said a second ago, it becomes an experience of it in and of itself. So that when you read it, you sort of go with the flow of the of the of the of the language itself. Now, is that a great is that a, a defensible experience? I would say, yeah, hell yeah. I about all the think about all our occasions that revolve around poetry. There's never a formal occasion, hardly ever, where somebody doesn't want to read a poem. Yeah. Weddings, funerals. Yeah. Birthdays. And, you know, you, know, you get a lot of occasional garbage, but but there's something that is important to people that, that, that poems accomplish that other, other forms just don't. I mean, they're smaller, usually, most of the time. Yeah, they're big narrative poems, of course. But there are for those moments when you get enraptured by a voice or you see something in a different way, well, that's, that's what poetry is about. That's the value of it, it seems to me.
0: It, it almost seems like it's translating something that's hard to translate. Because yeah, I like how you um, said, the, it's like I hear a sound. And then, and it's, just, and it's, and I always feel like music is kind of the divine language, like, cause music just, music moves everybody. We, we don't, you know, we can be in the middle of, we, we can be in the middle of Siberia and there's, there's good music playing and no one speaks the same language, but we're all going to jam to the music. And so it's, and it's hard to capture music into words. And, may, and maybe poems are kind of the bridge of that because I don't think novels are music. I think that, I, I and I can't you know, I, I feel like there is a um I feel like there is a music drive. There's a music to them because of the pacing. So you know when I think about pacing, especially in films or in novels, for the long form, I feel like there's a pacing that may be a little musical, but to to take something and put it into a poem that's probably really grabbing at something um, that has almost a divine quality and dropping it into a translation for us to have a language on.
1: Yeah, I mean, some famous poet once said, a poem is simply this, something that cannot be said, something that cannot be said, said to the person I want to hear it. So it's it's that kind of communication. But it's not as if your a poem is giving a message or something like that, yeah. or... And it's not like oh we got what's the secret behind this poem? What's what's Emily Dickinson trying to say? Yeah, she doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah, or (laughs) William Carlos Williams, or whoever your favorite poet is. And there's there, I think it's a it's a good time to be a poet in a weird way, even though uh, because every there there are all kinds of poetries out there, there are all kinds of ways to get published. There are not a lot of ways to get money. Which is the problem but there are but there are many kinds of audiences and there's all kinds of different sorts of receptivities to poetry so I it's think tough. it's
0: I think it's a very important time to be a writer right now because I feel like I mean because every because you know all of humanity since we've were since we've been speaking is telling the story and so if if we're if we're continuing to you know, it's what we love to be storytellers and everything is so fast right now, you know, the tick tock, the blah, 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 or whatever. But I think there's a point where people are going to be back on the page. Hopefully I still can't read digitally. Like I, 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 try Kindle. I, you know, people are like, Oh, let me send you a PDF. I'm like, I'm not going to read it. If, if someone sends me a screenplay and I'm working with them on it, I print the screenplay. It has to be written in print. And I don't know why. Because I can read the news online, but I can't read something that I know needs to touch me or I, I just have to have the relationship with the page. And I don't know if everyone else is going to realize they kind of need that, too, at some point when they when they go, wait a second.
2: <sighs>
0: I mean, I wish I could read on Kindle because I'd, I could put 500 books on there and go travel. Without um having my having to lug three books around with me and, I, and only have those options, but at the same time, there's a beauty that only having limited options too, you know.
1: Well, it, it raises a related point to me. I have a poem in the book some, some goes something like uh, the title is something like the reasons nobody ever called a good book of poems a page turner. It's you can't read poetry that way. Yeah, it, it just doesn't happen. You need to be in this, I mean, it's, I, I, I can't meditate, but I aspire to it, um, but I know it's kind of like that. Yeah. You know, being open to the sound, but you need to sit with it. And and you hope that that poem is rewarding that conscious intention that being in the moment with the words. And that's the sacred obligation, the duty of a poet to do that. Yeah. No, that sounds very sober-sided. Because poetry should be hilarious, and it should be raucous, and it should be dirty, and it should be smart alecky. Should be everything. Yeah, I mean, at least, least I hope to be.
0: Right. I don't think it. I don't think there's a should on poetry. I just think that there's uh We have our voice, and sometimes, you know, there's, po poem po- poets that can de- that can be devastating, and there's no funny or irony to it and you're just sitting there going oh that just killed me <laughs> and it's what a beautiful what a beautiful moment to have with a with a poem
1: yeah yeah I, I like that a lot i like that a lot so so that's uh it, okay so i, I have some but I, I mean i read a lot of fiction you know I, I chair the jury for the joyce carol oates prize so i've read 300 novels over the last few years and um you know we give away the fifty thousand dollar joyce carlos prize every year to a mid-career fiction writer oh that's right i gotta apply for that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> note to absolutely. self <laughs> absolutely but well, we're yeah. just about to send out the long list for our eighth prize coming up anyway yeah, yeah. tremendous energy and it's all kinds of good writers and <clears throat> and so sometimes I get the question, well, wait a second, are you a poet or a novelist or mm-hmm. you're a memoirist? And I say, well, I don't know. I, I write. I don't know if I have a brand. I want to. I write what occurs to me. There's a different space in my imagination, or in my ear, in my heart, wherever when I'm writing a poem. When I'm writing a memoir, I'm telling the truth, but only because I don't understand it. That's so I have to struggle to understand what what I'm really what the story is of my life. And, and you're in and you're committed to being truthful in a memoir or it should be. a lot in a novel it's what It's like uh, it's a way to tell the truth by lying. You're creating you know a fabricated world. Now in a poem, there's no expectation that you're telling the truth, although people think you are. They think it's sort of a version of autofiction, these are your secret. I don't know. and, and there's a way I understand that because poetry is also, Takes place in the kind of dream space too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where things don't add up necessarily. And they don't have to. But they add up on the page and in, in the heart of the reader. But they don't it's like a dream. Does what I mean? Okay. I think let's be honest. Dreams are boring. Dreaming, the dream life is fascinating. But you know, have you ever told it, have you ever told you a dream and you said, Maybe a yeah, no, I, year, I, dream. I
0: keep a dream journal. I write my dreams down every day. I try to I try to stay close to them, but I don't tell people my dreams. I mean, I'll tell them if they showed up, especially if I didn't have <laughs> sex
1: with them. I, I'll just be like, "Oh, hey, you
0: showed up in my dream," and no, it wasn't that.
1: <laughs> but that kind of fluidity, where the lines between reality and irreality and consciousness and all, I mean, that's that's what makes. Yeah, it's a great thing to dream, and, it, and it's you know to me it's where actually it's where if, if a writer has any kind of social responsibility, it's about tuning people into their dream life, not the dream life that's boring, but into the the world in which dreams happen, in which possibilities emerge through language for things that didn't happen, and if if you can engage people in their in their in their unconscious that way. That's all that it needs to hold together. Because a poem doesn't. A poem's not making an argument. It's not an algebra. It's not calculus. It's not. And it's not a story. I mean, yeah, there are great narrative poems. Yeah, sure, for sure. But it's not a story. Uh, at least not the poems I, I'm writing.
0: I I got uh, I have the Odyssey on my uh to on my huge stack of to read, so I can't wait to read that. Which
1: that's a great poem. Yeah. I actually read that in Greek. Did you? Do yeah. You speak Greek? You speak Greek? Attic Greek. It's you know classical Greek, or it's uh. Wow. Homer. Homer's not. I mean, I haven't read it since I was in college, but it's not that hard. Really? Actually, it's not that hard. I mean, if you you work hard to get the grammar down, but it's such a great story, such a great poem. Yeah, I love the Odyssey. The Iliad's probably better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that really gets into the dirt. That's really about sex, and war, and the Odyssey. Is I used to read that poem to my son when he was. I didn't read him uh, fairy tales. I read him the Odyssey.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he he holds that against me. Well, how does that work? How does that work out for him? To rap music. Yeah, <laughs> we should not listen to rap music. I said rap music will never survive. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> don't don't put all your money
0: on rap. Put it all um, on classic
1: poems. <laughs> I'm, I'm a prognosticator. Yeah, I can really see the future. I remember when I was in high school, I was I was student body president organizing the dances and stuff, and so Dan Fogarty comes up to me and says, hey, my brothers have a new album out. You should. We should hire them for the prom. I said, Dan, get the hell out of here. We're not hiring your brothers for the prom. Just get out of here. <laughs> that year, Creedence <laughs> Clearwater Revival breaks out wow number one hit in the. Cover. we could have had him for 300 bucks yeah <laughs> i had a vision i had a vision I could see clearly i was wrong but i had yeah. a vision yeah
0: no we're getting a cover
1: band this year okay <laughs> uh actually i think we did i love putting i love putting events together i love creating stuff i love like creating a new literary project it was is so much fun out of thin air yeah what what are you, this, now, are you
0: working on now? Uh, are you working on Because you're always working on some type of event,
1: right? Yeah. Uh. Well, we have. I mean, the project is uh. We're about to do. We're about to go into the jury work for the eighth Joyce Carol Oates Prize. So we got yeah. thirty-one longlisted writers to talk about. It takes us a few months.
0: And Wait, then we're what, doing. What are a couple of your favorite on the long list? Were you, are you surprised by some of the writers where you're just like, oh my God, I know this guy. I've read some of his books, or I know this girl. I've read some of her books.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. They're all, you know, a lot of them are well known. And yeah. I, I think we made a conscious decision to make sure that we just don't get writers exclusively from the big five publishers. Uh-huh. So we have smaller independent presses uh, represented. Like last year's winner, Manuel Munoz. From Grey Wolf, which is you know, terrific press but it's not big five right and they've been, ter- they've been they were terrific to work with. So there's all that stuff going on and then we have uh, we put out an anthology every year of project related writers, kids in the workshops. We teach hundreds of kids every year uh, for free yeah uh, led by creative writers from the Cal English department and more recently from the St. Mary's College MFA program. So we're in places like Contra Costa County Juvenile Hall and Girls Inc. And places where kids come from neglected, overlooked, undervalued communities. And then we have a new thing, relatively new thing, is we're offering summer fellowships to creative writers who teach high school. And so we've given away 23000 $5,000 summer fellowships to high school teachers And we're about we're opening up the competition now for the summer of 2024. We'll do another 14. And there's so many terrific writers, who, I mean, I taught high school for a while. What's what's summer for? You know, you've been if you're if you have a if you're a responsible person and you're teaching, you're not going to be able to write a lot. So you look forward to the summer when you're free to do that. So, and we we've, we've got some terrific people who we've awarded the fellowship to. We look forward to, to doing more. So that's a lot,
0: and that's I think that's great me. because I, you know, teacher like the teachers is another profess, profession that is so important to the fabric of society, and they're not getting paid uh, what 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 is expected of what you know the the expectations of what they are supposed to produce is not in line with how much they're paid.
1: I don't care if you teach at Harvard Westlake or Andover or Holly high in LA or mission no. high school, you're not making any money. You're, you're, yeah. you're surviving. Uh, you're doing fine. If you're lucky. And oftentimes you're not lucky. So we give our, our fellows are, you know, run the gamut from, from Hawaii to Florida to New York to Boston to LA to, and charter schools, to public schools, independent private schools and you get there's there's just a tremendous need for to yeah. support the arts because I mean, our vision here is to drive social change to unleash social unleash artistic power there it is well the, i mean i the idea
0: of letting kids write their stories and put their thoughts to the page and then learn how to craft them i think that just that just makes people better in general and it it's so it it's you, you, it's it's just the act of like even just keeping a journal if you know i, I mean i still i i do my dream I, I have my dream journal and then i have my complaints to god journal which is essentially <laughs> just the same thing like, <laughs> yeah and then a lot of then, overlap, that, overlap right right yeah, yeah yeah uh the complaints to god are more like why can't i have more sex and then the dream journal is like damn that was a <laughs> lot of sex and then i get to my actual writing so get get that all so it wipes away so i can get to like you know be a little more uh, mature by the time it's one thirty, and I can start really working on something. <laughs>
1: but you hit on a key thing: arts education uplifts everybody. Yeah, and and what I mean by arts education is creative writing teaching. It means uh, teaching kids how to uh, craft. Yeah, it, 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 teaching kids how to speak uh, to, in, in a way that that an audience will understand all that stuff, and and. It goes across the board. I mean, not only the, the summer Fellowship for high school teachers, that's an aspect of arts education, or the George Carlos Prize, which is for mid career authors in fiction who, you know, they don't get that's when you're in trouble most of the time if you're a publishing author. Yeah. Your first two books didn't earn out. Yeah. And okay, now what? And then, it's, and that's when you're doing your best work. Yeah. And we've seen, anyway. It's, it's been a great experience. We've got a, uh, We're a small organization, but uh, dynamite comes in small packages. You guys, Jehovah's Witnesses used to say that all the time. I know that.
0: <laughs> that's what we used to say. After, um, <laughs> do you know we're in the last of the last days and God's going to, you know, kill everybody that's not a Jehovah's Witness? Join us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, I vividly remember Jehovah's Witnesses coming door-to-door door in Greenpoint. I can still see that.
0: Well, yeah, well, I mean, Jehovah's Witness hub was in Brooklyn Heights for, yeah. what, 80 years or something?
1: I mean, it was crazy. But I, I got, I you know, my background is, all, is very Catholic and uh, lived in a monastery when I was a young man. I was Brother Joseph for a while. I remember, we, yeah, we talked about that, yeah. It's a great experience. It was great, yeah. you know, picking grapes in the fields, and
0: yeah,
1: I looked very stylish in my robe. And uh, do you have photos? And, uh, do you have photos of you in your room? There, there, are, a few, there are a few. That's more. cool. I want, yeah, I, I want to see them one day. I still have friends who you know I was in the monastery with. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great experience. It wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, neither was academia for me. Although, I, 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 my experience at Cal was pretty good. I finished up the English program there, and I it was good. So I feel like I've spent my life sort of renouncing choices along the way, leaving me uh, with the pleasure of talking to you, Tony, at this point, and writing poems. That's what I'm doing.
0: well, renouncing choices is great because I, I there's I feel like people are scared. Once they're inside of a, <clears throat> once they're inside of a good situation, like, Oh yeah, this, like this job will set you up for life kind of thing. And it's very hard for people to get in touch with their soul. I, I believe and go, wait a second, this is not me. And to say no to that and leave is almost a hero. It's a hero's journey almost to be, to, to have realizations instead of a midlife crisis at 50 have realizations in the, before that and, and you know what's a midlife crisis it's are in the life crisis right
1: but it's but just well, uh, well that's why the title of my book is i don't know if i have all the reasons but it's my last resume
3: yeah
1: and it's uh and it's the oldest it's the opening poem is the title poem and it's a resume of uh, Stuff that I didn't do, and and I really feel sorry that I'm not getting this job. I'm sorry for you that you're not going to give me this job. That's what.
0: What job is that?
1: Whatever it is, that's my last resume. I'm oh, never got this. it, got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, mean, did, I, it, did I, say something? <laughs> but but it connects to uh, you know being a poet and and. Uh, spending your whole life writing one thing or another. I remember a senior in high school, and i have been writing poems for a long time. <clears throat> and my favorite teacher, and I would say to this day, maybe the best teacher I ever had, ever, in my entire life. And I've had a lot of teachers. Brother, I'll call him Brother Paulus. He was great. I gave him some poems, and I met with him at lunch, And the first thing he said to me was, what makes you think these are poems? I felt so bad for him that he didn't understand the genius and the brilliance of these poems. And I thought, well, I felt I was home free at that point. I didn't need that approval. Uh And I admire the hell out of him. I do. And I I will see him again for too long. And I will say again, you're the best teacher I ever had. But in his own reverse or backwards kind of way, he gave me permission to be my own fool and I guess I knew that
0: the fool is everything I was just talking about, I, I I had a I had a lunch with a friend today and we were talking about um our notebooks because uh he's starting a new book and he's like, yeah you know we that uh, I use a certain type of notebook and certain type of pen or whatever and but um, I told him I was getting more tarot card decks because on my next notebook that I start, because usually I'll put I'll stick something on the front of it. I'm gonna get the fool card and put the fool on the front because the fool is kind of it's it's the um, it's the giving of uh, what do you call it? It's the being okay with being the fool, and if you're the fool and you can really dive into that, that's where the sexy stuff comes out of.
1: Well yeah, I mean this is I don't know if you ever watched this happen, but all you gotta do is identify yourself as a poet at a party and people just make room.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I gotta go. I need a drink. See you later. <laughs> um, you can
0: walk in and say I'm a pedophile and they're like, Oh, how do you do that? You walk in and say I'm a poet and then they all scatter. It's <laughs> your
1: parents your parents are responsible for that. The church is well, anyway. But I mean being a poet is like, wow, your ass is out there. It's just yeah. yeah I, I wrote a poem. Here it is. So you feel totally vulnerable, and if you have the the nerve to to deal with that, it's fantastic. And it works. If it works, people read it, they fall in love. That's fantastic.
0: And if it doesn't, it, it 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 doesn't. But they, there's a beauty to um, to to embracing what is the archetype of the fool, or just it's there's there's something um. I think we get. I, I think we could find a lot of truth when we go there.
1: Yeah, but I mean to turn this back to earlier theme, talking about my family and my my dad, my colorful dad. He, uh, my first book, of poems, came out. I was like twenty four, twenty five, something like that. And so he said uh, he looked at the book, and I guess he sort of read it. He, he never went to school. Eighth grade, I guess. And he said, how are you going to pay the light bill? Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said, you know, uh, that's a damn good question. But how <laughs> did he know that was a good question? That was my question. What, what made him figure that out? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, he always was sensitive about education and stuff like, and uh, the arts, I guess, because I remember as a little kid, I would be asking, I was the kind of kid who asked nonstop questions. I was very irritating, as I still am. And. Uh, when I asked him a question, his, his stock response to me was, what are you writing a book? <laughs> it's actually a very good imitation of my dad. That's actually the way he talked. What yeah. are you writing a book? <laughs> and uh, well, it turns out I was. But uh, yeah. I, know, I guess I kind of knew it somewhere yeah. deep down inside. We didn't have any books in our house. Never. Uh, I remember a Mother Goose book, of fairy tales. And that was it. So I got all my literature from Catholic schools. and. The, the rituals and the Bible and and stuff I would get at the library so you know when it gets when, when a life becomes sort of risky the way that is and you're sort of different from your family I mean I was the black sheep in my family none of my brothers went finished high school um and I got good grades that made me an outlier I was I was a problem uh-huh uh, I guess I kind of like that. But yeah. in my memoirs, I deal with the both sides because then I did take a few turns that brought me closer to my dad and my family's history. That's another story for another time. <laughs> the um,
0: did you say you have your tombstone already? Oh yeah. Where is it at?
1: It's uh, there's a Catholic cemetery in town, across a few miles away,
0: in, in the East Bay. Yeah. Okay, in Oakland, is that the one in Oakland?
1: It, it's in Lafayette, actually. Oh, Lafayette?
0: Oh, wow. And what? And what's the epitaph? You told me the epitaph earlier.
1: Well, that was the joke. What are you looking at? That's oh, actually not- okay. <laughs> but yes. actually, the real thing on my real epitaph is uh, uh in, in this novel that I wrote about uh, the afterlife, where this brother uh, solves all these crimes and problems in the afterlife that he couldn't solve when he was alive. The title of that book is All for Now. So that's on my. All for now. I like that. So,
0: so actually, you have the plot, and you already have the stone. Yeah. So, do you, my do you dogs?
1: Work? My dogs' ashes will be buried in there. Yeah, He's got it all worked out.
0: Do you go visit it?
1: Uh, well, I'm not currently interred there, but I know exactly. <laughs> but, it's, but it's but it's but there's I.
0: It's so this is what I would do. I would go there with flowers, and yeah. just and just weep. <laughs> And weep until someone came up to me, and they're like, "Oh my God, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this just, is just—I'm really grieving. Like its just—it always gets me." And just—and then finally, you know, do the reveal later. That's my plot. It's
1: a, it's a, it's a beautiful cemetery. I've been to lots of funerals there. Yeah. Catholics are great. Catholics are great on death. Yeah, it's on life, that they have a few problems. But
0: I um, might have to convert to Catholicism because I—I want some good death.
1: Well, we're great at it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, those rituals, the music, my God. I man. know.
0: I yeah. I literature.
1: I I, I want to
0: go. I want to go buy a rosary. I, this is on my list before the end of the year, Um, because the rosary to the Jehovah's Witnesses is just pure Satanism. It's huh. like anything. Like anything. Like even with the cross is just that's like satanic. And I'm like, I'm going to go buy a rosary because I think it's pretty cool. And I like the idea of uh mantra and the beads. And then also, I want to put it on the mirror of my car. And people are going to think I'm a total Christian, which uh, I, you know, I don't knock. I'm a fan of the teachings of Jesus. But at the same time, it's just the what it means, what it means to me is leaving Something that was harmful to me, and now oh, yeah. and now I can be like, oh, they used to say this was like demonism, and now I can
1: embrace it. And it's well, well. I mean, you got that so right in your novel, Confessions of a Teenage Jesus, Fre- a jerk or freak or whatever. I forget the title exactly. And yeah, the, I don't, movie, I don't the movie, the movie <laughs> was terrific too. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, you just captured something valuable. It was a beautiful,
0: moving.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah,
0: I was, um, and that you know when you you talked about uh, who are you writing it for, that's like I was when I was writing the book. I was writing that for me. There you go. That whole book was just for me to sort out that it was okay that I grew up a Jehovah's Witness because I used to feel so much shame, and 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 I'm just like I gotta I gotta reframe this, and it just and I just had to feel okay with being totally in the belief system too it's which i would i would used to be ashamed that i would i would think that if you were gay you were in a diet armageddon if you didn't you know it's and 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 it's just like oh my god i used to actually think that way and i don't ever want to tell anybody and then all of a sudden i had to do it on a grand scale and go no wait this is what i used to (laughs) here's a story about what used to go on in my brain
1: well, it's purifying to tell the truth, right? It's, it's uh, and yeah. un, to unload this stuff. Yeah, and and I and I think
0: it makes me uh, less irritable when I'm just writing every day. So it, it's 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 doing a cause for humanity and for grocery clerks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I just got out of the store for shopping for Thanksgiving. There's a lot of tension in that store.
0: <laughs> I know. I was. I just had, I just. I'm like, oh, I. I had to go get like some vegetables, and I was just at the store. Oh right no,
1: there. vegetables! That's against the law for Thanksgiving. But go
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, uh, I'm in L. A., so we have to have our smoothies every day, right? <laughs> so you you gotta get when you come to L. A. You have to have your yoga mat. And you have to have your blender. So, um. But anyway. People were getting really testy with the poor grocery clerk, so I, don't I know. so I was just, I was like, just joking with her a little bit here and there, and she was, I, I think she appreciated it, or she was probably just going, "What a cute old man trying to pick up on me," you know. <laughs> I,
1: I have no idea. Either way, <laughs> uh, well, that's a great thing.
0: That's a good story. Yeah. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: What a, What a fun trip again. Tony you're the best man great to talk Let's do it again we will next time I'll recite poetry
2: I was born in a pool that made my mother stand then I spat an that in here They gave me fine ideas. When they cut me loose, that time it served me well. I made allies in heaven, I made comrades. It's like Christ in the garden of Gethsemane Cause I'm a Catholic boy Redeemed I got baptism, I got community, I got penance, I got extreme, I've got confirmation, cause I'm a Catholic child, when the blood ran red, the blood ran wild, and now, now I'm a Catholic man, I put my tongue to the rail whenever I
0: can. You're listening to 101.9 FM. K-P-C-R-L-P LP Santa Cruz.